Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Right. Well, you've you've made a very I'm going to start kind of a movement there, Jane. Yes, I, I did. I moved. Um, I was very assertive, and I don't know why because it's not really me. Um, I'm not a particularly assertive individual. I'm angry with myself because I left a very interesting email um, outside from a lady who used to go on holiday to her mum's village in County Sligo, and they would collect. You could buy at the corner shop little bags of, of seaweed, which you would eat, and it was everybody did it. It was like a treat. Um, and we talked on the programme today about the benefits of sea moss, which I I thought, you know, I actually ate a spoonful of it. You're very good. No, and you didn't really. So far I've managed to avoid every single one of the Wellness Wednesday challenges. Yeah, I haven't eaten. <laughs> uh, also, in Foodie Thursday, I had loads more cockles than you. And I uh, know I, but it's just a plain fact, I did. Um, I know. I mean, I've. I've enjoyed them, but I haven't. I've seen them since in the supermarché, and I, I, I just think, I, would I, would I eat a cockle if I were to buy a whole? Well, jar? you declared yourself to be a cockle converted. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I did enjoy them on the. Anyway, this is neither here nor there. It's Foodie Thursday tomorrow with long-suffering Times food editor Tony Turnbull, who last week brought in his pick of this year's mince pies from high street stores. I wonder what tomorrow will be. I do wonder what tomorrow I'm will be. I'm very, very much hoping it's pigs and blankets. Uh, oh, I'm having some of those tonight. Are you? Yes, I just thought. Oh, I really You've gone early. Them. Well, I, you know, sometimes they they claim that they sell out, don't they? I mean, they don't, of course. Uh, but I saw them the other day and thought, oh, I'll just treat myself because um, we do have there's quite a good brand of vegetarian vegan sausage that the other my flatmate child will eat, and sometimes I want to, you know, I'll, out of solidarity, I'll also have a vegan sausage. But and do you wrap them in bacon? <laughs> I think Facon, although available, is not doesn't please well, me. Well, I mean, I, it's it's really hard. You see, I don't know whether what other people think about this, and they can they can tell us uh, via our email address, Jane and Fee at Times Radio. Um, I'm intrigued by the fact that vegetarians and vegan want meat product shaped items. Yes, I don't really get it. I think that's been of concern ever since somebody decided to call just eating vegetables and not meat. 
vegetarianism. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. People just got on with it. I mean, I was a vegetarian for seven years in my in my sort of late teens and early twenties, and I just ate vegetables. Yeah, and, and um, presumably and gravy. Weirdly, there was sauce mix, wasn't there, around that? Yeah, time. but I didn't bother with that because I couldn't cook. Well, no, but also the, the I thought sauce mix was interesting because I don't remember ever being sold as sausages so you just bought this thing you can make whatever you yeah. wanted to out of it but it but it wasn't Wall being paper paste from what i remember it yeah. wasn't being made to look like meat i don't think it's available anymore is it not i always rather liked it did you yeah oh, God. my sister was a vegan actually early vegan for, early for quite a while yeah. so sauce mix was um was quite a thing but my i mean my poor mum uh, so she'd quite often have to cook, you know, two separate meals. Mm. And one of her favourite meals to cook would be liver and onions. Oh, I like liver and onions. Which would be served, you know, from the same oven mm. as sauce mix and chips. I mean, you can't go, you can't have two, that's opposite ends of the spectrum, isn't it? Do you remember in The Royal Family, which was by some margin one of my, I mean, it's just the best sitcom ever. Caroline O'Hara is just a genius. But when, when the mum, I think Anthony, long-suffering door answerer and tea maker Anthony has a, a vegetarian girlfriend who's coming round and the mum says, well, she can have just wafer-thin ham. <laughs> it would be fine. That was, so it crops um, up. It's a lovely scene as well in Gavin and Stacey, isn't it, where the wonderful uh, oh, Alison yes. Steadman yes. does the same kind of thing. Yeah. A little bit of chicken. Benny <laughs> fillet. Well, because doesn't she doesn't she decide to be vegetarian in, oh, she in solidarity? She lies yes, that, but, yeah. that she's a vegetarian, but or she told them in a previous yes. a previous meeting that she was a vegetarian. And then for she some has reason, to she has to stick with it. Pepperoni in her face when no one's looking. <laughs> oh dearie me! By the anyway, way, gosh, what a tangent from no, help. No one's asking. No. But um, do you remember the story of my um, ah agent's um, poor cat passing away and um, the poor cat snacks being sent to my Dora well she's absolutely in dreamland she is loving it she's discovered these things called tasty sticks which we've never had before until Sue very kindly passed on um, but sadly the snacks she doesn't need anymore and um, Dora's having a tasty stick every night when we have our dinner a little cat face properly lights up she makes noises like, like somebody I don't know like me in the 70s when exposed to a sudden a sudden sight of Donny Osmond. I mean, it's just, it's honestly, it's off the scale. Gosh, it's quite yeah. a disturbing image. <laughs> Do you know what? The, uh, some neighbours down the road, when their dog very sadly died, mm. they just gave us an enormous, great big kind of 10, half finished 10 kilogram pack of yeah. dried dog food. And I don't, just to this day, I don't know how I felt about that as a gift. No, well, it came from a, a place of wanting to help you out, and also they probably didn't want to look at it anymore. I no. get that. It sat in the hall cupboard for a very, very long time. Is, do you think it might still be there? Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So there's uh, there's a very lovely email from Joe. It's quite a long one. Do you want to delve into it? Well, this is about the conversation we had yesterday about whether or not you really need to have periods. Um, we had a we had a, a very eminent reproductive health specialist as our guest, didn't we? Um, this is from Joe, who says wanted to say thank you for that conversation about taking contraception long term. I agonised about putting my daughter on the pill at the age of 14 due to her very heavy and wildly irregular periods that were, quite frankly, traumatic every time they appeared. After a couple of false starts, one inducing vomiting and the other one mild depression, we persevered and switched to the mini pill, which is progesterone only, and that was a lifesaver. 
periods and all the grief that accompanies them have gone. I cannot thank medical science enough and wish that it had been more widely discussed when I'd been her age and endured debilitating periods myself. It was really reassuring to hear that she can stay on this pill for as long as she wants. I can relax a little knowing that my decision to insist the doctors allow her access to the pill will hopefully not be an action that will adversely affect her future health. As a parent, you always want the best, least painful pathway for your children, but we don't always know the long-term consequences of our own choices. Sounds like I might have done okay with this one. Today is her 18th birthday, and one thing I do know is it's period-free. Yeah, and so she can go out and have a good time and not be worried. And I do think that if you have if you have a child who's just having these just... I mean, they do really negatively impact your life. And at precisely the time in your life when you're already feeling self-conscious and sort of perpetually mortified about something, you just don't want that danger of a really heavy period suddenly happening, do you? No, it's alarming. Really, really distressing and alarming. Um, I love the fact that Jo goes on to uh, talk about her periods. Yeah. She's 50 and menopausal and says, I've spent years believing I couldn't use hormonal contraception because of its links to breast cancer. Uh, and we have that in the family. I now understand this connection has been debunked and went straight onto the Marina Coil, like Julia Bailey, who was the doctor we spoke to yesterday. And Joe says, at long last, I no longer have painful, heavy, erratic periods myself and have been told this will help with the menopause symptoms and my choices of HRT. And Joe, you say that the conversation we had with Dr Bailey was reassuring. Um, and you are grateful for the open, honest and frank discussions that we're having on our new show. And that is music to our ears, actually, Jane, isn't it? Well, it is. And also, we're really open to people suggesting ideas they would like us to talk about. Because you're, I mean, I'm really glad that Joe has appreciated the fact that we can be quite frank and that there are some discussions that are perhaps a little awkward to have in our real lives, but we don't care what we say on the radio, do we? We don't give monkeys. No, we, no we, we do give a monkeys, but we don't mind that it might be regarded by some other people as trivial or, quotes, embarrassing. No, and we don't mind asking those questions which might sometimes need us to reveal a bit about ourselves in order to either make the person we're talking to feel a bit more comfortable or just be informed about it. Mm. So we don't mind doing that. So, yes, please delve in. Yeah. Uh, and if there's stuff that you think, oh, I've never heard that on the radio, before uh, we might be the place that could give it a go yeah so it's jane and fee at times dot radio if you have an idea for one of those really open and frank conversations and we certainly don't need to mention your name um if we decide to follow the subject that you have suggested um sarah says um jane and fee i do appreciate i can listen to your randomly endearing witterings more than once a week but i am as a scouser conflicted that the times is where i have to go to listen to you as Jane will know, a certain paper is widely boycotted in the city and Sarah is referring to the sun. Uh, that said, I have wrestled with my inner demons and I have been enjoying the off-air podcast. Sarah, I get it completely and I, I you know, I totally understand what you're, where you're coming from and what you're saying. Uh, but I'm also really glad that you're here with us. We both really appreciate it. It's Wednesday, so it's time for this. This Wellness Wednesday, we're talking CMOS, which has been taking the health world by storm. CMOS is nutrient-dense sea vegetable, and it's said to be full of 92 minerals, which will increase energy levels and aid digestion. The so-called superfood can be added to tea, smoothies 
Everything can be added to a smoothie and yogurts or even eaten straight from the jar. Oh, and we have some here and we're going to try it. Uh, this has been supplied by the company The Seamoss Boss and is sourced from the northwest of Ireland. T McKen from The Seamoss Boss, Moss Boss, impossible to say, <laughs> joins us now. Hello, T. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. I'm sorry that I can't say your company's name. Did you have to have a lot of practice yourself or are you word perfect on it all the time? No, no, I'm used to saying it now. It's easy. Yeah. Uh, tell us a bit more about CMOS and what it is proven to be able to do for you. Okay, so um, CMOS is now sort of like a, a blanket term for um, an array of mosses out there. Ours particularly is Irish moss, which is from Ireland. Um, it's hand-picked and certified organic. And um, the... The, the proven thing about CMOS is that there are loads of people that mention that it helps with digestion, um, it aids um, with their hair, skin and nails, um, it helps with thyroid function, and it's been taken in the Caribbean and in Ireland for centuries. Um, in Ireland particularly, it was used as a cough and flu medicine because it reduces the um, length of time that you suffer from a cold or a flu. So basically, those kind of viruses. What... Um... This might be a really dove question, but what's... I've just had a, a taste um, tea. What is in the jar? Um, I'm just looking at this. It says here, Irish moss, 70%, spring water rinsed with limes. So that's all yeah. that's in here. Right, OK. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no preservatives or anything in there. No, OK. Now, I mean, I'm going to try to describe... It's got a consistency of slightly thick wallpaper paste hasn't it um and i mean i do i'm trying to be as honest as i possibly can about the consistency yeah. of it and i would describe the color as it's not unlike sort of stewed apple um so, something of that sort of nature perhaps yeah. slightly darker um and it tastes of almost nothing but it isn't i have to be really honest i was expecting it to taste perhaps a little bit seafaring i was i was, <laughs> I was thinking of a sort of how would I describe it? A, a bit make, salty. A bit salt. I wanted to taste the sea. I expected to taste the sea, and I okay. can't. Is it? Is it just me? Well, no. It's actually um, we rinse it with lime specifically, so you don't get that sea taste. Because a lot oh. of people do get put off with the sea taste. Well, so the, sorry, this is another dark question. Would that be salty then? Have you taken the salt out? Um, we, no, no salt has been taken out. It has been soaked. Um, so the salt is released um, as it is soaked. And then it's soaked with limes just to make sure that you don't get that salty sea taste. Because a lot of people do like to put it in their smoothies and yogurt and porridge. Um, some people take it as it is, which is why we've added the limes. It just cuts away the smell and the sea taste to make it more palatable. Yeah, it's not it's not revolting in any way. It's a, I mean, I really do mean that. It's not. I mean, we're we're not talking. I'm a celebrity, you know, revolting part of a of a great heffalump or anything like that. Um, it's just not something I'd I'd look forward to eating if if I'm really honest. Yeah, which is why a lot of people put it in their smoothies. Um, the first thing they do, I think, people try um look past the 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 taste or the texture because they want to get the mineral benefits from it. Um, so they take it as a natural supplement instead of taking additional supplements um, in their diet. So they literally just stick to the sea moss, which is like one to two tablespoons a day. And it's getting a lot of popularity now because a lot of people have expressed 
um, how much it's helped them with certain ailments that they may have, um, deficiency in certain minerals. I mean, it's, um, it's, CMOS is one of the um, sea vegetables out there. There's an array of them that have a lot of minerals that we should be taking. Are we just really just scratching the surface of what could be, well, just loads of stuff uh, in the sea, uh, in the oceans that we could make use of and which might be really good for us? Yes, um, which is why we, um, CMOS bus, for example, does a lot more than just um, CMOS. Um, I mean, our name is obviously CMOS because that was originally our main focus mm. until we saw the array of um, nutrient-dense vegetables out there. And we decided to do that because of the fact that um, a lot of land vegetables are lacking the minerals that they used to have because the soil is not getting enough time to replenish where there's an abundance of seaweeds out there that have all those minerals like B12. You've got your iron, magnesium, um, phosphorus, the things that we don't realize what we need for our body for like bones and blood flow so which is why we go from dulse sea spaghetti uh, we've got um wakame and forms of kelp do you have to worry about the seas in which you're collecting these things from being polluted yes which is why we certainly only get our products from ireland um, because they are tested for the the main heavy metals like arsenic and lead and mercury we wouldn't get anything in terms of like the English Channel because of you know the pollutants. Oh God, it doesn't bear thinking about what's yeah. down there. Yeah, frankly. so yeah. we only we only make sure we get it from um, Ireland. It's tested um, eight to six um, six to eight months um, by the Irish Soil um, Association, yes. Organic Association. So we make sure that we get the quality, the best, and it's sustainable. We only uh, it's only picked what's there. It's left to mature, um, so we, it's not overpicked. And do you have to dive to get it or is it something you can collect when the tide's out? If you can collect it when the tide's out. So literally it's picked off of the rocks um, and nothing is overly farmed, basically. So it's literally picked off the rocks. It's left to mature to get the minerals from the water and from the rock as well. Pretty interesting. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to give it a go for a couple of weeks, see if it makes a difference. Yes, yeah, yeah, you feel. Um, we say at least take one to two tablespoons a day. Um, and then most people, the first thing they say, if you've got a lot of mucus in your system, that's the first thing that starts to bring it up. Um, and then you'll get um, energy levels after that. But we recommend taking it between two or three weeks as a minimum. Lovely. I'll give it a go. I'll keep everybody posted on my mucus. <laughs> T, it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining right. us this afternoon. Do you want to have another yeah. go at so, saying that she's the co-owner of CMOS Boss? The CMOS Boss. <laughs> T. McKen uh, and CMOS is available now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com 
We had a cracking guest today, Anne-Marie Imaffedon. She's a pioneer in the world of tech and founder of STEMETS, which is a social enterprise that gets girls to do STEM subjects and also thrive at them. Now, she was the youngest ever girl to pass A-level computing. Can you remember how old she was, Jane? Uh, she was 11. She was 11 when she got an A-level in computing. Uh, and at 13, she was offered a scholarship to John Hopkins University in America. By 17, she was doing a master's at Oxford uh, and many boardrooms later and an MBE and a hugely successful podcast. She did find herself on a Wednesday afternoon talking to us. So I, I was fascinated with the world around me. And for me, the fascination was always, how does it work? Like I, was, I was obsessed with that, whether it was the washing machine at home or the VCR player. I don't know if you, you remember that, that uh, those VCR got players. Yeah. There we go, right, and we had the cassette tapes and you'd have the VCR player and you'd have like a big box TV on the other side of the living room. And it'd be like, how did it know? Timon and Pumbaa or any other, you know, great children's uh, movies that are available. How, how did it know how to play the, the images in the same order? You know, that I can't see it on the sticker. I can't see it in the cassette tape. Um, and so I was obsessed with all of these kinds of things and, and the logic of how they all work together. But you actually um, took your VCR apart, didn't you, Anne-Marie? I did. And I'm thankful every day that my dad didn't kill me for doing that. But I, I think because I, I know what I'm like with my devices now. Um, but yeah, th for me, it was how does that work? OK, cool. Now I've understood that and seen a little bit more about it. What can I do with that knowledge? What other problems can I solve now that I know that how that particular thing works? So that's always been my my MO really and that's something that's that's stuck with me even into adulthood. When do you think you first realised that there was a gender slant around all of the STEM subjects and you know you weren't on the kind of the side of the rising tide? So it was fairly late on actually, late, later than you'd imagine. Given I had the, the childhood that you mentioned, this kind of underkin child prodigy thing, I'd never, I didn't really notice the gender thing until um, the end of 2012, actually, so almost, it's almost it's a ten, 10 years ago, um, where I ended up at a conference uh, in the States that was for specifically for women in computing. Um, and I was there and there were three and a half thousand plus technical women all under one roof, talking technology, coexisting, breathing the same air, using the same loos, but, you know, really, really talking technology. And it was such a such a bizarre moment for me because I'd never noticed up until that point. It'd never been overt, it'd never been obvious, it'd never been so strikingly in my face that I'm never in scenarios like this. I'm never, you know, with with in a majority of women, I'm often the only. And sometimes you, you have to be in those kind of scenarios to be able to reflect back and think, yeah, you know, at work, if anyone walked past any of my meetings, they'd have seen me and, and immediately spotted the odd one out as the youngest, the blackest and the femalest in the room. And so for me, that was it was being there. It was like, wow, OK, cool. This is what it looks like. This is what I'm missing. Um, what can we what can we do about it? Um, and so, yeah, it was about about 10 years ago, actually. Now um, you do talk in the book. and I know I've heard you speak before about gatekeepers and gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. And this notion that some men, not all men, as we've got to always be careful to say, want to keep this world for themselves or do too many women, I include myself here, do too many women allow them to keep it that way? So I, I think there's there's a kind of two sides to it. And I think, you know, when we talk about gatekeepers, you know, a lot of this is about power. 
right? A lot of this is about, you know, this is information that I have and I'm able to use this information to gain something in order to influence things, influence things in a particular way in order to, to do things that I would like to do and do that successfully. And so I think with a lot of the gatekeeping, there is a huge part of it that there is a majority. There are folks who believe that they have the birthright to be the successful ones in this space. They have the birthright to be the ones that know what they're talking about in this space. Um, and they've been fed that from lots of different places, right? From the people that they inherited the space from, from the stories that we tell in the papers, the, the stories that we tell of technologists, the representations that we see in TV and in movies. So I think there's there's things like that that play into it, but there is also then the stories that we sometimes tell ourselves as women, right? The stories that we've been told all, the, all again and again, the things that we've heard from peers, the things that sometimes we, we say to each other, the things that we may have heard, you know, this, like, oh, I don't do maths, right? It's something that people say quite a lot. And so then that ends up being internalized. So there's an element of it that's internalized. There's also active gatekeeping, people who, you know, decide that they do not, you know, deem women uh, good enough for promotion in their organizations or good enough to join their technical teams or, you know, that, you know, we, we, I run STEMETs as you, as you mentioned at the top and, you know, we still hear girls being told, you know, they turn up for open day at a particular university to go and hear from the engineering department about what's on offer and they're told, no, no, nursing is over there. And so this is something we have again and again and again at all levels throughout the industry, all levels uh, across the field of active gatekeeping and also more more passive perhaps gatekeeping in the norms of who we assume does the technology who we assume has a lot of value to add to technical conversations and can you just give us a couple of practical examples of why it matters that women are involved in tech all the way through from coding to actually using the products so it, it matters because if we are not part of the assumptions or not part of the thinking around this technology, then it's built in a way that, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't serve us and often can harm us. And there'll be there's lots of examples that we have over years. So whether it's voice recognition technology that we've been working on for decades and that actually, you know, still struggles sometimes to pick up female voices. Uh, women's voices are slightly different from men's voices. I mean, this, this is this is also beyond gender, right? There are Scottish women and Irish women uh, who particular voice uh, assistants don't understand because of their accents. And we have to think, you know, who who preceded who? Who came first, the voice recognition technology or Scottish women, right? And how <laughs> was that not something that was considered so that now they can't talk to their cars in the way that other people can? Um, sticking with cars, I'm sure you'll have uh, readers will be familiar with um, Caroline Corrado Perez and Invisible Women and even the idea of a seatbelt that we still have in 2022 are safety standards based on 50th percentile men, 50th percentile male. There are some people that are 98th percentile, some people are second percentile men, there are some people who aren't men and so therefore we've built something that means that I possibly may have never used a seatbelt correctly in my life because I, I'm not a 50 percentile man I don't have the height the weight the the weight distribution of them but I think even more so you know in the book I talk about financial examples when we look at credit cards limits and how if you have two people in a, in a heterosexual marriage that are that are together and have combined their finances you still end up seeing the credit limits of women much lower than those of men even though they're paying from the same pool and so this is going to continue to propagate, continue to roll forward as technology, it's, it's not going anywhere. And so the decisions that it's making on our lives, whether it's financial, whether it's at play, whether it's at work, you know, we had the, another example in the book, um, and I'm a trustee at the Institute for the Future of Work, but this idea of using technology to help 
um, help with hiring decisions. And there was one company in particular that we looked at who ended up using an algorithm to help them make hiring decisions that was based on who had been successful in that organization up until that point. And guess what? No women were part of that definition of success. And so none of them were selected by the algorithm to be hired for this role. And so there's all of these things that end up coming through across all of what womanhood is, the fact that we exist and who has predated who, us all mm. the technology, but to forget that, I don't know, menopause, periods, pregnancy exists when you're building health technology is not really going to serve anybody and might actually end up and has actually ended up causing harm. And so it's really, really important to ensure that we're in the room asking those questions, challenging those assumptions, and of course, creating and coding and project managing and you know product managing and, and doing all of the other things along with that. There's so much positivity in your book, which I think we should probably try and head towards because otherwise we might cry. Uh, and that's just an assessment of the reality of the world that we're living in, Anne-Marie. But I love the fact that you have these kind of go-to sections where uh, you can just give a little bit of advice in what can be just such a confusing world. Uh, one thing that I really liked was this very simple thing uh, in the chapter Getting Started, where you tell people to try and develop the habit of carving out 10 minutes each week to watch something technology related on YouTube or a platform of your choosing and just take in what you're watching. Think about how it applies to what you're doing at home, at work and with friends and be infectious with that newfound knowledge. And I'll tell you why I liked it so much. It's just, I think, and I don't want to automatically include Jane in this, but I suspect she comes from the same kind of place. I think I am so far behind sometimes in this new world that I've left it too late to catch up with anything. So I'm always just on the receiving end of things. I'm never very proactive about learning because I think I'm a bit too old to learn. I think that's shared by lots of people. Um, and I think it's it's a funny one because, again, when we talk about gatekeepers, especially with something like tech, you can feel a bit like, yeah, you've missed the boat. <laughs> There's nothing new to be learned. They knew all of it. They've known all of it. And, you know, forevermore, they shall know all of it. Whereas that's not really what technology is about. Like technology is constantly changing. And so the idea that someone knows everything and that's it. And that's a done deal. And it's kind of, you know, set in stone quite literally like that. We don't have that stone in the technology. And so it's never too late to get involved because all of us are almost on a on a on a treadmill where all, there's always something new coming up. There's always something that's happening. There's always a new version. You know, folks will know this. There are many apps that are really, really popular, none of, none of which I'll, I'll mention, but may have been featured in, in the ads on the show already. But there's a new version every two weeks. And so there's always something new. There's always something that they've got to add. There's almost something that they've forgotten, right? Or there's a new progression. And so for you, you're just jumping in, right? You're just coming in at this point. You're like, okay, cool. This is the juncture which I'm joining this river. And I'm going I'm to head in the same and flow in the same direction. And so that's the approach that you have to take because that is literally the name of the game. That is what the technology is all about. We haven't got close, have we, to 100% of the global population being online. Do you think we'll ever get there? And would it be a good thing if we did? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if we will ever get there. Um, and I think that's because of the, you know the nature of human beings. You know, what what is universal other than what we have kind of biologically in terms of breathing in and breathing out? So I wonder if it is something that we will universally get there on. I think there's also kind of access to resources. At the moment, it's still there's still costs involved in being a part of the infrastructure, as there are costs involved in having running water and costs involved in having electricity. And so you know, if we haven't got to everyone having running water or clean water 
you know, should online really uh, be on that list? Mm. Um, but whether it's a goal, I think really does depend on who is driving that. You know, what, what are we asking folks to be online for? What are the harms, the checks and the balances? What are the upsides and the progress that can be done? And how much agency are we really giving them with that access to online? Which I think there are several attempts that people have made to allow everybody to be online. But, you know, if you have too many ulterior motives, you're not altruistic enough with it and you, you're not thinking about the power imbalance in the way that you're enabling it, then it possibly isn't a good thing, right? If you're you're giving people online access and they can only access very one one website, yeah. I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. And mm. a lot of attempts have centred on things like that. What did you think of yesterday's online harms bill and do you consider it to be watered down? So I think that there's a lot of uh, lobbying that has gone on in the background. There's a lot of kind of contentious uh, elements that, that have been added. There's a lot that's going on kind of culturally as well that has changed since the initial time that it was tabled. So I think it, it has been watered down. I think that was expected by a lot of folks. Um, I know that there's also a lot of movement in kind of what the EU is doing versus the, the point that we're trying to prove without getting too political. Um, with That's our all right. Own, you can um, be political. You can say what you like. <laughs> we welcome it. <laughs> I, I don't want to be too political. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I, so I think, I think it has been watered down, but I think um, it, I'm, I'm hoping and it looks like it's not, it, this isn't, a, there's not a finality, I guess, in this. There's still edits for us to do. It's, it's movement in a direction. Um, but the work continues and there are fantastic people like uh, Shay Akiwewe at Glitch um, UK, who's, who's really, really leading the charge actually on ensuring that we can have the right kind of online safety with the right kind of accountability for folks. And that's individuals as well as organize, uh, as well as companies and organizations. So could could do better, but I'm, I'm hopeful uh, yet for, for change and for the right kind of progress and maybe dialing up of some of the things that have been dialed down. Anne-Marie, give us the benefit of your expertise. What is coming down the track in tech that we may not yet be aware of and I mean by, by coming down the track I mean will be part of our daily life in three or four years time oh um I don't want to scare anybody there's a there's a lot of interesting things that are coming down the track there's a lot of work that's being done on uh, kind of storage and where biology meets technology and being able to store information on on strands of DNA that I, th I think is always kind of uh, alarming, but also interesting to be able to read and understand and try and try and get my head round. Um, there's other work that folks are doing on mobility um, and travel and kind of the engineering that we have of not quite cars, but that being able to move from one space to another um, at really short distances. Uh, there is, what else am I, am I reading about at the moment? Um, some cool bits on uh, on on recognition actually uh, that maybe slightly less cool actually this isn't cool but uh, we're talking quite a lot about facial recognition at the moment there are folks who are working on heart print recognition really? and being able to do that at distance yeah and identify folks from because everybody's every, the same as you've got kind of a unique um, set of thumb th thumbprints mm -hmm. and your face is in some ways unique but uh, the, the same is true of the heart so sorry I, hang on a sec you could recognize me from one of my internal organs yeah from the from the print of your heartbeat because that can be read at, at distance i mean I, I i went to talk funny enough at the same conference 10 years ago about nose prints and the fact that you could you could actually do touch id with your nose which we all found hilarious. But was this that pre-pandemic research? This was pre-pandemic. <laughs> 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 just going to catch on now. 
Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of um, weird and wonderful things that folks are, are working on. I think for me, the excitement isn't necessarily in the technology in itself, it's in the use case. That was the hugely impressive Dr. Anne-Marie Imaffedon. Uh, really good to talk to her and just fantastic to have just some of our worries about tech slightly debunked, although she, she was very honest about the future holding some, well, for me anyway, some slightly surprising aspects. Um, I think as she's always very keen to point out, it's not so much the technology as who's controlling the technology that's really, really significant. And we didn't have time to ask her as well. Just I still, and I think probably to my dying day, will never understand how a 3D printer could make, say, a plastic lobster. I'm just never going to understand it, Jane. I, I wonder whether we could get her back on, just because I agree with you. I don't get 3D printing. And I know there's there's talk about um, prosthetic limbs being made by 3D printers. Guns. 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 I mean, I, I don't be happy, obviously, if we lived in a world where no gun was ever made by anything. But it's, I know, I, just, I, I mean, look, you know the struggles I'd have with my printer. <laughs> well, I do. I mean, we don't And that's what I worry that. about, Jane, because <laughs> I think when the 3D printer becomes a truly domestic item, I don't want to see what it is that you make. <laughs> I will not be getting one. It won't work. Uh, no, I can. I can't print out an email. Okay, so I think the danger of me creating some sort of destructive device via a three D printer. You can. You've got lots to worry about, but you can park that concern. Yes, that's very true. Now you've got to go to a school play. I certainly do. Don't keep me waiting because I really, really, really have to get an aisle seat. Is that so you can leave early? No, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. Because I want to be really, really comfortable to see one of the offspring. Not on stage, actually, doing some backstage stuff. But I don't want to be right in the middle of one of those small benches. Yes, it is, I think, probably quite significant that in lots of uh, media show-off families that the urge to perform tends to skip a generation. Um, My youngsters couldn't get further away from a stage if their life depended upon it uh, and they are frankly really just mortified mm. by both well, their parents desire course, to perform jane being the giving parent i am that's that's the only reason why i'm here doing this really just to make it much better for them oh you are well, darling you're wonderful <laughs> Now, tomorrow, who have we got on the show and possibly this podcast as well? Oh, Michael and Hilary Whitehall, who are the parents of Jack Whitehall. And he did a successful thing. So his dad did a successful thing and his mum's joined in the successful thing. And actually, that disproves the point, doesn't it? Another of my mad theories or what I thought were sensible theories utterly debunked in the next sentence. Don't worry. Print Don't yourself mind. a new one tomorrow. Oh, will do. Have a good evening. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you like what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this, but live. Uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. moonpig.com